It's good to be back, but there is someone more important that is back, or people that are back. If you can't find them, Alvin and Amber are somewhere in the building. There you are. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> just like old times. If you want to lead communion, you can just just let me know. You just come right up, and and you can do that later. Speaking of old times. When the church was reopening, I have to be honest, I was a little resistant. I was that person that when you walked by on the sidewalk, I would kind of turn my head just so our faces wouldn't face each other. And when I heard that we were going to let people sing again, I was like, oh, God. Oh, Alvin, oh, Jade, do we have to so soon? Uh, My friend, who is a physician in the diagnostics department at uh, the Fraser Health Authority, who's basically like a real-life house, if if you know the show, uh, he told me, you know, singing is like coughing. And so whenever you hear someone sing, just like imagine them coughing instead. I was like, oh, okay, like, let's, maybe, let's just keep having someone sing over us, or let's, let's be like the Quakers and spend 40 minutes in silent meditation. When we started singing, however, as uncomfortable as I was, it was like that. And I was like, oh, that's good to be with people and to hear their voices and to sing with them. And then after a little while later, I was like, oh, it's good to be like closer than six feet to people. And it's it's good to eat with people. Whether you were uncomfortable or not, I think we all forgot something during that awkward time. Maybe it was... Uh, going for a walk. Actually, no, we... Why did I say that? We all went for walks. Going for group fitness classes. Shaking hands with a stranger. You run into a friend on the sidewalk, and you don't fist bump them, but you you give them a big hug. Uh, Maybe it was traveling. Maybe it was going to the mall or to the movies. Whatever it is, Don't we just sometimes forget things, forget how good and important some things are in our lives? Well, as Matt said, we are starting a new sermon series today. It's called Don't Forget to Remember. It's clever. I think Jade made that up. Yes, he's a clever guy. Jade Jade made that up. And it's, we're doing this because, well, we forget things. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be exploring six remembers, six calls to remembrance found in the scriptures. To remember is to remember. It's draw, it draws on the image of a surgeon reattaching, rejoining a, a finger or an arm to to the body, 
resulting in a greater wholeness. Uh, Severance, in my opinion, one of the best shows of 2022. And 97, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, 95 on on Google, so not just my opinion, uh, stars Adam Driver as Mark. And Mark has this story that has led him to undergo a very controversial uh, operation, surgery. Uh, This surgery essentially severs his memories and his mind into his work self and his regular life self, what they call the innie and the outie. The innie only remembers time, life at work, and has no knowledge or memory of life outside of it. He, the Audi only remembers and only understands life outside of work. And as you can imagine, this may cause some challenges, some confusion, and that's what the show is about. When we forget things, the important things, we become divided. We become dismembered, the opposite of whole. Whether it's him, uh, Guy Pierce in Memento, if you know that one, Drew Barrymore in 51st Dates, when we forget our values, when we forget who we love, when we forget pivotal events in our life, we, are, we become a different person. We live lives less in line with our true and better self. But when we remember something that's key to who we are, we are rejoined to that true, that better self, and we come closer to wholeness. And our hope for this series as we explore God's remembers, is that we wouldn't just intellectually remember things, but that we would remember them to ourselves and in turn be remembered, that we would be, uh, sorry, so many remembers, remembered to ourselves, to others, to God, and ultimately to a greater wholeness. Uh, Our first remember is found 11 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Six times as a call, remember this, and then five times more as a statement or as a reminder. I want to read two of them for you. Uh, If you are able, would you just stand with me for a moment for the reading of God's word? Deuteronomy 24:18 Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. And then we will flip a few pages back and go to Deuteronomy 5. Five, six. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Would you pray with me? God, you are our deliverer, our rescuer, our savior from 
from darkness, from sin, from suffering. Thank you for your salvation and for your spirit that shapes us and leads us into your kingdom and to your likeness. Help us now hear you, see you, and become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses to the first generation of ever freeborn Israelites. Uh, it was written during the 40 years when the Israelites were in the wilderness. Despite miracles upon miracles, Red Seas as we sung, splitting, being rescued from generational and likely eternal slavery from, from a nation, the original Israelites struggled a lot in their journey with God and to the promised land. They made a statue uh, out of gold, out of, of a cow, of a, of a calf, and they worshipped it. They said things like, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, that is Moses, have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So grateful. Uh, check out this one. If only we had meat to eat, meat again. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic. Mm. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. For the Israelites, it was easy at times to forget their freedom and to reminisce, to reminisce on Egypt and the old ways of living there, of meat, of Egypt, of enslaved living. You see, as bad as slavery was for them, it was predictable. It was, it was comfortable. Wilderness, not predictable, not comfortable. It required faith, trust, obedience. Better the devil they knew than the devil they don't. Not calling God a devil. Perhaps, though, you're thinking... How could anyone want to be a slave just for meat? Like, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian, but I'll give it up if it means not being a slave. Lest any of us are tempted to think that, let us pause for a moment and think about a couple things. In 1981, Soft Cell released the song Tainted Love. 2003, Brittany... Brittany, do we need the last name, uh, came out with Toxic. And lest we forget, 2012, I Knew You Were Trouble. None other than Taylor Swift. 
All these songs, and there's a lot more, trust me, explores and, and expresses the complicated but likely common reality of people, of us, finding ourselves in what we call toxic or unhealthy relationships. Relationships that we just can't seem to leave, no matter how much we intellectually realize that it might be bad for us, not good for us, whether that's romantic or platonic. Don't relate? Let me give you another example. Have you ever tried to go off meat, sugar, coffee? Like, you know, these things aren't great to be on all the time, have all the time. So you're like, okay, I am going to go off of this. And you do for a while. And then at some point, you're like, oh, that looks really good. And then you snap and you become like Cookie Monster. You're just like, Oh, oh, it was a gif. It was a gif. So just imagine Cookie Monster. Right? Think about certain lifestyles. Uh, scrolling on your phone, watching shows before bed or even in bed. Like, I think all of us know that it's not good for us. Like, everybody says, like, don't do that. It's bad for your sleep. It's bad for your, bad for your mental health. Yet, you know, like, come on, like, we all do it, right? If you don't do it, that's great. Good for you. But I think most of us, most of us do, myself included. All I'm trying to say is, aren't there times when we ourselves forget things that are not just good, but things that are bad for us? And don't we sometimes reminisce on them don't we sometimes fall back to them? Don't we sometimes regret taking the red pill and not taking the blue pill? Going, ah, oh, maybe living in the matrix isn't so bad. Or we're like Leo, you're like, living in a dream, in a dream, within a dream, doesn't sound all that bad. Don't we all have unhealthy relationships to to people, to food, to lifestyles, to something? And aren't we tempted to think about it, reminisce on it, if not go back to it? The historical and traditional term for these things are called idols. They're not bad things per se, just good things uh, that we turn into ultimate things, as uh, the late Timothy Keller said, what he also calls counterfeit gods. In the past, idols were statues, golden calves, uh, but now they're sex, money, power, status, comfort, stability, whatever. Things we worship over God. Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, writes, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. 
Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. Idols are our spiritual Egypts. They are the places we go to when freedom in Christ doesn't feel all that free. It doesn't feel like how we expected it to be or, or want it to be. And so we go, mm. in Egypt, I could eat meat. In Egypt, I had garlic. For me, my Egypt is, well, one of my Egypts, I, I, I got a couple, uh, is escapism. I love to escape reality. Who likes to escape reality too? Terry, oh, you didn't have to. Okay, good for you. Thank you very much. You know, let's just turn on some TV and just imagine life differently. Um, you know, and for a moment, it's great. You know, meat is good. Like watching TV with my roommate at 12.30 at night every night, it's fun. But then I go, oh, I'm a slave. I can't wake up early. I'm tired. Why, why do we do this every night? Despite being physically free, the Israelites uh, weren't yet spiritually free, fully free. So Moses says, remember you were slaves. Emphasis on the slaves. Don't reminisce on the stakes, you know. Even though they were sous vide, in a nice bag underwater, and then just grilled you know, real hot and some keg special spices, some butter and mushrooms. Moses is like, don't, don't think about that. Don't reminisce on it. Remember your freedom. Meat is good, but freedom is better. I want you to turn to someone right now and tell them, meat is good, but freedom is better. Can you say that? Can you say that, someone? Meat is good but freedom is better. There you go. Remember that, okay? There's one thing, one thing you can remember from this sermon. Meat is good, but freedom is better. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian, I I apologize for putting those words in your mouth. Uh, I'm not trying to convince you to to eat or to think or to, to, to live differently. We all want freedom, but sometimes Egypt is really attractive. And so God says us, so, so God says to us today, remember that you were slaves, not to Egypt, not to empires, but to idols. God, however, is not just calling us to, to remember. Um, our slavery, to not just go back to idols or even to leave our idols. But in this command to remember, God is also calling us to go forward to, to the promised land, to, to what we call now the kingdom of God. You see, in every call to remember, those 11 calls to remember in Deuteronomy, all of them are connected to a command. 
the book of Deuteronomy, after all, is a, is a book of commands. Deuteronomy means second law. And so we see Moses again and again saying, remember your slaves and then therefore go and do something. Moses, before he talks, shares the Ten Commandments, he starts with the text that we read earlier. Moses thought that the most important thing that needed to be remembered or to be known was that they were slaves in Egypt and the Lord God rescued them. If you want to be free, Moses, God says, then you have to live the freeway. You have to take the freeway toward God. It isn't easy. So let me give you some tips, some advice on how to do that. Let's take a look at just some of these. Deuteronomy 5.15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore... The Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy 24, 17 to 18 is also the one we read earlier. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why, or therefore, I command you to do this. The Ten Commandments and all of God's laws really are advice to flourishing, to individual and communal flourishing. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't covet. Keep the Sabbath. Care for those in need. Like, that's, those are good commands God gives. And, and that, I think, is, is real freedom, is it not? So when God says to remember their slavery and then therefore to do something, it's not, it's not a guilt trip by God. This is my translation. Remember, you were once slaves to Egypt, but now members of the family of God. And on the way to freedom to the promised land. But in order to enter and live there, you can't live as slaves. You have to live as free people. Therefore, here's how to be and live freely. Do these things because in them comes true freedom, individually and communally. How, though, do we remember it? How do we remember our slavery? How do we remember our salvation? How do we rid ourselves of the yoke of Egypt? Timothy Keller, later in his book, Counterfeit God, says, spiritual disciplines are forms of worship, and it is worship that is the final way to replace the idols of your heart. You can't just get relief by figuring out your idols intellectually. That is, we can't rid ourselves of Egypt by just remembering our slavery in Egypt. You have to actually get the peace that Jesus gives. 
And that only comes when you worship. If we really want to flee Egypt, if we really want to find freedom, we have to foster a life of worship. Individually and collectively. Uh, As I was writing this, I realized how all kilter I've been recently. Um, You know, I've said I love watching shows, and that wasn't past tense. It's like right now. You know, watching shows about Indian matchmakers and people living in a house handled or governed uh, by a magical cone. You know, I believe friendship and fun are good things, necessary things to flourishing, but maybe I've made it into an ultimate thing, and I've put it above God. And I've also realized that in doing so, I've stopped reading. You know, reading has been an integral part of my relationship with God since I first decided to follow Jesus. Uh, And so, in the upcoming days, weeks, we'll see how long it takes me, I'm going to be resetting my schedule, trying to go to bed a little earlier, telling my roommate, no, let's let's save it to later, let's save it for tomorrow, Um, and trying to foster again a, a life of worship, of prayer, of scripture, of reading. I found Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways, very helpful to, to think about this. Uh, in his book, he lists out nine pathways to, to worship. Uh, and I'm just going to go over them very quickly for you, but I recommend you to read it if you're interested. Um, they are learning, which is, which is probably my primary pathway, uh, creation, nature, uh, the senses, candles, art, uh, rituals, Praying prayers that have been written by other people, uh, uh, fasting, uh, simplicity, silence, solitude, living simply, uh, justice, pursuing justice, praying for the marginalized, celebration, singing, eating food with people, laughing, and meditation. Contemplative, imaginative prayer. What discipline or way of worship has always been a source of worship for you, that has drawn you to God? And how may have you forgotten that in your life? And how might you incorporate that back in? Let's admit it, though, that spiritual disciplines are hard. They requires discipline, and we don't usually have a whole ton of that every day. In gathering, though, in what we call corporate worship, uh, sort of like a fitness class, we are supported, we're, we're helped, we're given help, we're forced to worship in a good way. And that's why the other form of worship that I think we all must engage in more besides the private, individual spiritual disciplines is corporate worship. Marvin Dawn said, worship immerses us in the regal splendor of the king of the cosmos. 
provides opportunities for us to enjoy God's presence in corporate ways that takes us out of time and into the eternal purposes of God's kingdom. As a result, we shall be changed, but not because of anything we do. God, on whom we are centered and to whom we submit, will transform us by his revelation of himself. Since really the beginning of the church, it's been God's design for us to worship him in community through the singing of songs, through prayer, through the, the, the listening and teaching of the word, through, through giving, um, through, through ministry to one another. This has always been the primary medium of worship and formation. We sing songs about God's goodness and God's faithfulness even when we don't really feel like God is all that good and all that faithful. We pray prayers of confession when we think we've done nothing wrong this week or maybe just have forgotten. And we listen to God's word because it's been his design that that's how we hear him and through one another. We can't, I don't think, flee Egypt without others. And I don't think we can enter the promised land without others also. Uh, In the beginning, I said to remember is to rejoin ourselves to something greater, uh, to a greater wholeness. And so, let us remember. Let us remember Egypt, but more so freedom, our freedom. Let us remember our slavery, but more so our salvation. Let us remember that God is taking us on a journey to the promised land, to the kingdom of God, together with his people. Let us remember the gospel. Let us remember God. Remembering is not easy, though. And it's not wholly up to us. It's not, we can't just try to muster every time thoughts and memories. Uh, it's also God's, it's God's work. And so let us pray unceasingly uh, what the psalmist, what King David wrote. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Before I formally close our, this time in prayer, uh, would you stand with me and read aloud together this uh, old prayer by E.W. Tozer. Let me begin. Read with me, please. Father, I want to know thee, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come. 
Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self, so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without a rival. Then shalt thou make the place of thy feet glorious. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it. For thyself will be the light of it, and there shall be no night there. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your intervention in this world and in our lives. Thank you for your rescue, for your salvation, for your freedom. Help us by your spirit today and tomorrow and all days. Remember your freedom, your salvation. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation and help us to live that out in our lives and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.